Hi, and welcome to the Thrive Alcohol-Free podcast. I'm Dupe, Dupe Witherick, alcohol-free well-being and transformational coach and the best-selling author of A Cocktail of Clarity, How to Ditch Drinking, Embody a Joyful New Identity and Thrive Alcohol-Free. This podcast will show you that being alcohol-free is not what the traditional narrative says. And even though alcohol is so ingrained in our society that it is okay to give yourself permission to stop drinking if you want to. And you do not have to wait until you hit rock bottom. It is certainly not boring and I believe ditching drinking is just the start to living an extraordinary life. By getting rid of this one thing, it allows the doors to open to endless possibilities and opportunities. Each week, we will have guests on who are at various stages of the alcohol-free journey, from those who are curious to those who have been alcohol-free for years. We will also have experts on talking about different topics relating to alcohol and beyond. Through these conversations, you will discover what it means to thrive alcohol-free. Enjoy. Hi and welcome. It's so lovely that you're here again listening. I really appreciate you. I am Dupe, your host of the Thrive Alcohol Free podcast. And yeah, we have another really interesting episode coming up. But before we go there, I wanted to just check in and see how you were doing. And if you've been listening to the episodes and the podcast for a while, you can tell that my mission really is to help as many people as I can just see that being alcohol free is a choice and you don't have to wait until you hit rock bottom. And if you know in some way that you want to stop drinking or taking a break from alcohol will help you in some way then I'd suggest go for it. I think it's really easy to wait until the right time, wait until others are doing it, you know, your dry Januaries or your sober Octobers. Think that because we're coming up to Christmas and New Year and Hanukkah and all the different festive occasions that are coming up shortly, that you somehow, there's always going to be an excuse, always a reason to not stop. And so I would just say, if it's something that's playing on your mind, then write down why you want to stop drinking, what the reason is, and think about what you like about drinking and what you don't like about drinking. And again, write it down and then make a decision. Do you want to take a break for 21 days? That's what I did. And as you know, I've recently um, celebrated three years of being alcohol free. So you know, be open to it. If it is on your mind, you're here, you're listening, then certainly be open to taking a break. And if you're early on the journey and you're struggling or you're thinking, I'm not really enjoying the process or I'm hearing all these stories and everyone's saying it's amazing and that you can thrive alcohol-free and you just think that just isn't going to happen, then again, I want to encourage you. It's not over. It doesn't happen overnight. And it does take time to find your groove and to really be in that in that moment and to experience the pink clouds and other things. But it does come. 
and it's patience and it's trusting the process. And so hopefully that's encouraged you today. And if you would like to have some help or get some support or looking for a kickstart, then get in touch as I do offer one-to-one clarity sessions, one-to-one coaching, as well as group coaching. So I'm more than happy to have a chat and just see where you are. And of course, you know, just reach out if you've got any questions and just want want a question answered, then I'm also happy to do that. Okay, so today's guest is Hadley Sorensen, and she is a mum of three boys, a lifelong runner and a writer working on publishing her first book, which is really exciting. And so her relationship with alcohol has always been toxic. It wasn't about how much or how often she drank, but how she felt when she did. And so just over two years ago, she woke up with her last hangover and her heart screaming that sobriety was the right choice. She had no idea that a whole new beautiful life was about to unfold. And now she loves to tell her story with the hopes it will reach someone struggling as she was. So really looking forward to you listening to this episode. We talk about running. We talk about her upcoming book. We talk about the mummy wine culture and the community, the alcohol free community as well. And of course, she starts by telling her story. So I do hope you enjoy the episode and I look forward to hearing how you found it. Okay, so without further ado, here is Hadley. So welcome, Hadley, and thank you so much for being on the Thrive Alcohol Free podcast. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Fantastic. So you're you're a big influencer on, on Instagram, but for those of people that don't know you, why don't you give a bit of a background as who you are, how, you, how you're here, and what brought you to, to be alcohol free? Sure, I would love to. So I am a wife and a mom of three boys. I live in, I'm in the US and I'm in the suburbs of Washington, DC. So I'm right in the thick of things. Uh, And I've lived here for just about all of my life. Um, I have been a runner since I was in middle school. Running and fitness have always been a big part of my life. And after leaving the corporate world, when my youngest was born, I ultimately ended up starting my own business as a health and fitness coach. And it was the perfect fit for me. I loved what I did. I loved the idea of helping women get healthy and learn to fall in love with fitness for the right reasons. And I just, I loved everything about it. And I talked a really good game about self-love and and taking care of yourself and all of that. But behind the scenes, I was, you know, I was wrestling with a really toxic relationship with alcohol. Um, and kind of like you, as we were saying, I, I didn't have any kind of rock bottom moment. I on the surface level, my drinking followed social conventions. I was drinking just like everyone around me in my social circle. I had sort of graduated from the college binge drinking scene right into that mommy wine drinking scene. Um, And I just felt like something about my drinking and my relationship with alcohol had 
always been off from the very first time I got drunk. Um, it had always felt sort of toxic, I guess, is the word I use because it just kind of sums it up. Um, it made my soul feel icky, right? I was a blackout drinker. So even if I was only drinking on the weekends, I would tend to blackout on the weekends when I drank. And I had so much shame and guilt and regret tied to that blackout kind of behavior. Um, and so while I was a fitness coach, you know, I was running, I was training for marathons. I was on the outside. I looked like I was crushing it. Um, and I was also really leaning in heavily to the whole mommy wine thing. My whole kind of persona on social media was built around the fact that I was a wine loving runner. You know, I, I had balance because I would, you know, drink a bottle of wine, but then I would run 10 miles the next morning. And I, I somehow acted like they canceled each other out. Right. It was so icky and toxic when I look back on it now, um, so this all just kind of kept building and I sort of felt like a fraud because I was talking about self-love, but I didn't really like myself. I didn't like what I saw in the mirror. I just had so much shame tied to my drinking. And in 2021, it all sort of came to a head. It escalated a little bit through the pandemic. Um, and I could really feel the impact it was having on my mental health, my anxiety, depression. I just, it was just building. Um, and I finally woke up one morning in August and I said, this is it. This is my last hangover. I am not going to do this to myself anymore. Um, instead of acting like I was sort of powerless, like drinking was something I had to fight to keep in my life because it was so important. I had this moment of realization that it was adding nothing and it was causing way more problems than it was worth. And so I decided I was going to be done. And I started with a, like a 75 day kind of fitness challenge. I knew in my head that I was quitting for good, but I kind of needed an alibi. You know, I was afraid to say that and it felt safer to tell people that I was doing this kind of fitness challenge. Um, I'm quitting for 75 days and it let me sort of like ease in and get my thoughts straight around it. And then there was just no turning back. Um, I knew that that was it for me. And that's how I ended up here. I started um, kind of, I've always been a writer. So during that first year, I kind of documented my journey. I started writing and early on, I decided that I was going to make it a book. Um, and so I kept going and now I'm working to get that published and just going to see where it takes me. Wow. There's so much there and gosh, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a long winded answer. Wasn't amazing it? story though. And I love the fact that you just, you just seem to wake up one day and that was it. You were done, which is really yeah. interesting because there's so many different ways of, of doing it. And, you know, people tend to either do sort of dry Januaries and, and Lent's and other things and give, give alcohol up for a little bit, but you were, you were very, it sounds like you were very adamant that that was, that was that. I was. Now that's not to imply that it was easy, right? I mean, it was sure. still quite a process, but mm -hmm. I felt very confident in the decision and that helped, that certainty helped drive me forward and get through it all because I knew in my bones that it was the right choice. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And what was the reason for a 75 day challenge versus any other length of time? <sighs> well, so there was this 
you know, it's been big on social media. I haven't heard about it as much lately. It's called 75 hard. Mm. And I, I don't know if it's a thing there. Um, but it's this whole concept. Like you do two workouts a day. One is outside. You follow a meal, you do all of these. It's like a checklist thing. Yeah. And most of those were already things that I was doing, but I loved the no alcohol component. And I was like, okay, that's kind of like my jump start to this. Mm. Um, and so, and so that's just why I picked that because, you know, it was, it was a known entity. Like lots of people were doing this challenge. So it seemed like a good, it seemed like a good cover story at first. Yeah. Fantastic. And I think so many, you know, people can re resonate and the person listening can absolutely resonate with the whole mummy wine culture, you know, graduate from the, the universe, the college culture, university. Right. Universe, and then you, you go into that whole sort of mummy wine culture and with three boys, I, I mean, it, it's, it, that you get this whole thing don't you that once you're a mummy in order to reward yourself and gosh I've got three children so I'm going to you know I need to drink and that's and that's really easy to get sucked into isn't it? it is it is and at the end of the day you know when I look back I wish I had realized sooner it wasn't helping me as a mother it was making things so much worse it was making it harder um but we like to think of it as this kind of universal fixer that's going to make life easier and alleviate our stress. And, mm. you know, really it just kind of distanced me from my kids um, and made me less connected and less present. Um, you know, even though my kids are a little bit older now, it's it, parenting is so much more enjoyable yeah. without being, you know, numbed or dulled by drinking. Mm. And how you know you said that you you knew that you would stop which is fantastic at you know that you were going to do the 75 day challenge at what point in those 75 days do you would you say you started really seeing some benefits or you know what were the benefits at the end of those 75 days oh that's a really good question honestly i will tell you that i felt the benefits really early on I was in this cycle. We have a um we have a lake house, a vacation home that's two hours from our home, and we spend a lot of time there in the summer. And so in 2021, that was when um we were sort of easing out of COVID and we were finally having friends come to the lake again. Um, so people were coming like every weekend to visit and stay at the lake, and they would come and it was like a vacation. So it was like everybody would get there and they would want to drink like they were on vacation, you know? And so we would drink right along with them. Um, and so I would drink heavily all weekend. And then I would have this horrible, like anxiety and depressive episodes and awful hangovers that would last like through the week until Wednesday or Thursday. And then I'd finally start to feel normal. And then we would go back to the lake for the, another weekend and it would start all over again. So I was just in this like death loop, right? I felt miserable. And a week into eliminating the alcohol, I started to break that cycle and I felt so much better. I, my sleep was the first thing I noticed. The sleep was like magical without any alcohol. Um and the anxiety and the depression, you know, not suggesting that quitting alcohol 
automatically solves our mental health problems, but it became very clear that it was the cause of most of mine, right? So as soon as I kind of broke that cycle, um, my mental health improved dramatically. And then over time, you know, a month, two months, the, the benefits just kept compounding. It was like, I had these gut issues I'd been dealing with and they started to improve and my skin improved and the sleep kept getting better. And um, it was just kind of one thing after another. And the more you see those benefits, the more it inspires you to keep going because you don't want to give that up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's true. I mean, alcohol absolutely exacerbates anxiety, depression, stress. It doesn't make it easier, even though we all think or we've been given the you know we've been told for years that actually it helps you relax it helps you to unwind it helps you to de-stress and it's the complete opposite and so I can imagine when you've been partying on the weekend and then having to deal with that during the whole anxiety the hangover yes. and the anxiety is oh. just awful isn't it and that foggy head and not really feeling yourself yes um, and and actually if, unless you then counteract it by drinking more you do feel pretty pretty rubbish don't you yeah and the brain fog mm. and the headaches and mm. you don't realize how bad you feel until you start to see the contrast yeah yeah no absolutely and of course you know you talked about sleep and that's fantastic and the deep sleep that you get and those <sighs> cycles and everything else and dreaming again and all of that sort of stuff exactly brilliant and obviously the presence with your boys I'm, I'm sure is just completely chalk and cheese to what it was before oh yes um, definitely yeah so that's amazing and it's amazing and and hopefully because I always want to give people tips on this on on the podcast and hopefully people will see that you can see benefits pretty quickly you don't have you don't need to wait until those 75 days you oh see. yeah are there any other tips you would give someone who's maybe just starting off because you said it wasn't easy, but you obviously did it. Yeah, a few of the things that really helped me early on, because I, I knew going in that the traditional sort of AA kind of recovery route didn't feel right to me. I, it's wonderful for so many people. I have, you know, zero judgment there. It just didn't feel right to me. So trying to find what would work and kind of what I needed. And a big thing for me was educating myself. Right. I did a lot of reading. I read a lot of Quitlet. I listened to a lot of podcasts. And not only did those kind of inspire me, and, you know, hearing other people's stories makes us feel less alone and it shows us that we can do it. Um, but it was also so educational because once you learn a lot of this science behind alcohol and what it does to our bodies and our brains, um, the cancer risks, all of that, you can't unknow it, mm. right? It was like, even if I wanted to go back to drinking, I'd be thinking, oh my gosh, one drink a, a week is going to increase my breast cancer risk by X. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's mind boggling. So just that education piece was really powerful for me. Um, and then finding a community of some sort. I mean, some kind of support, whether it's friends or family or an online community or it's meetings or whatever. Um, but it was important for me to tell some people close to me what I was doing and ask for their 
support. Those were two things that really helped me early on. Hmm. And and how did that go? Because again, I think a lot of people are nervous about stopping and um, what people will think and who to tell. And I always say you want to tell at least one person. So I absolutely agree with you. But did you get, you know, a lot of people say they lose friends or that they worry about what friends would say, family, etc. How did you find it? I was worried. I was, I was nervous to tell people. Um, I think people were kind of surprised, even, even my husband. I mean, no one knew that I was wrestling with these issues. No one. I mean, not even my husband mm. knew because I felt so much shame around it. And I'd just been stuffing it inside for so long. Um, and I didn't look like someone with a problem, right? Um, which is silly because, you know, obviously we know there is no look, but people are, get so hung up on those stereotypes. So when I started to tell people a little bit and talk about it there was kind of this like what are you talking about you can't mm. quit drinking like wine is a part of who you are mm. um but I didn't lose any friends I was fortunate most of my friends have been very supportive um but all of my friends are heavy drinkers still mm. right so I've had to be deliberate about how I spend time with them and what that looks like because well I don't always mind I can go out to dinner if everybody's drinking or but I don't I don't love social events where drinking is obviously where drinking is the star of the show so I've started doing things like I go on walks a few times a week with some of my closest friends or we go out to lunch or we meet for coffee I look for ways to spend time with them that are not tied to drinking mm. um and then if they go out drinking and I bow out, I don't feel like I'm missing anything because I know that no real connecting is happening in those situations, right? Um, so yeah, I, I would say I didn't have anyone that I could tell that like understood what I was going through because they're all drinkers, um, but they totally supported me and had my back. But I actually leaned into, I you know, I found the Instagram sobriety community and leaned into that hard and have met some wonderful friends out there. And they've been my biggest supporters and cheerleaders where my friends and family might not get what these like sobriety milestones, what a big deal they are. Mm -hmm. But I know that a hundred people on Instagram are going to be like super excited when I th hit a thousand days, you know? So that's been amazing to have. Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about that. I mean, so how did you get into, you said you were writing and you were obviously recording the first year, um, but then Instagram, sort of how did you get into that? How did you sort of start telling your story and how helpful, it sounds like it was really helpful that you you ended up doing that. But yeah, talk a bit about yeah. that. Yeah, oh, sure. So it was sort of an interesting process because in my role in the fitness world, I already had a a pretty solid um, platform on social media, right? So all, my my business, my fitness business was run completely through social media. Um, but it was, of course, fitness related with a lot of, you know, really hilarious wine jokes thrown in. Um, it makes me cringe now when I see memories pop up and things that I posted. Um, so I was used to telling my story and getting vulnerable on social media, right? Um, that was already a part of what I was doing. And so as my 
kind of sobriety journey, like eked towards that as I kind of crept towards the end of the 75 days. And I knew it was going to keep going. I hadn't other than some friends and family, no one knew what I was doing. I slowly started talking about it on Instagram and on Facebook. And, um, people were kind of like surprised at first. Um, but then so many people like we know would kind of send me a DM or come to me privately and say, Oh my gosh, me too. Mm. Right. Oh my gosh. I have felt that exact same way. Oh, I've wanted to quit drinking, but I just don't know if I can. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you mean other people like me felt like this? I wasn't the only one because when you're going through it, you feel like the only one. Mm. And so I slowly started sharing more and more. And I slowly started talking about the fact that I was writing this book. And so I went through this transition on Instagram where people who were following me for fitness were like, what the hell is going on on this girl's page, right? This is not what I signed up for. So there was sort of this period of like attrition where people that were like, no, I was here for the wine jokes started like leaving, but people who were more interested in kind of the alcohol-free component started um, you know, coming on. And then I went totally off the deep end and totally into the, you know, sobriety space. Um, and it's just been, it's been incredible. It's such a powerful community mm. out there. It's, mm. it's just really fun to get to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and I, you know, I think it's so helpful for people as well The you know, the fact that there are so many different people out there now willing to talk about this and to, to your point a lot of people and it's still the case you know we still we, we, you know, we haven't even touched the surface with this I don't think but there there are lots of people who like you thought that they were that they are alone or th- are thinking if they're the only ones that feel like this because it's so glamorized in our society and it's it is. everywhere isn't it that it is you know you sort of think wow how do I step away from that and I, one of the things you talked about quit lit, but one of the things that was fascinating for me was, you know, finding out how many celebrities didn't drink and how many of them accredited their success to not drinking as well. Right. You know, they went on to win the Grammys and went on to, you know, get the best films and, and the rest of it. And we all think celebrity means champagne and drinking and that's what it's all about. And it's, re- it's really interesting. And I do think the community, there is going to be a community for you out there if you are looking for and you'll find people that you resonate with and and I think it's super helpful that we have more and more people that are just being open and honest and sharing and being vulnerable I agree and I think what you said is important the fact that there's kind of someone out there for everyone because you know what I noticed what kind of prompted me to start writing my book was all most of the quitlet I read was um they were amazing stories and incredible books, but they were all told from that like rock bottom perspective. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't totally relate to that. I never had that moment of like, oh, me too. That's exactly my experience. Because like you, I mean, even though rock bottom is subjective and there's no perfect definition that looks different for everyone, but I, I wasn't seeing any consequences of my drinking, you know? Yeah. Um. And so I wanted to tell my story from the gray area. And um, now there's a few more books kind of entering that space. Um, But it's the same on the Instagram 
side, people who call, proudly call themselves alcoholics and they go the traditional route and they, yeah. um, they, and, and they're incredible and I'm friends with lots of them. Right. Um, and then there's people like me and then there's people all, all over the spectrum. So you can find somebody that you relate to, mm. um, and there's no judgment, right? There's no right way or wrong way to do this. I mean, there's no right or wrong way to drink. Why would there only be one way to recover or get sober? So I love that, like you said, so many people are getting vulnerable and talking about it and it's just going to help eliminate the stigma yeah. and encourage more people to get help. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, really think what you said was powerful there is no right way to do this and fundamentally if life could be better in some way without it and you know you will feel better then regardless of how much you're drinking maybe taking a break is the is the right way to go and you know and and as you say there isn't a right or wrong way to do it and you know many many people who go down the AA route many people have decided that, that that's not for them but there that doesn't mean that either's bad or good it just means right. it's the, the right thing for them but it's giving people the tools and the ability to actually just remove alcohol if that's what they choose to do yeah yeah I mean it would be really if we think about it it would be bizarre if one thing <laughs> worked for everyone but I think for a long time AA was the only option that we yeah. knew about, right? It gets a lot of airtime. That's what everybody knows about. You think, ooh, my drinking is a problem. Am I an alcoholic? Do I need to go to AA? That's like, it was like one, there was only one direction you could go in. And now people are starting to realize why that might be totally valid, but there's all these other ways too. Um, and one's not right or wrong. Yeah. Even if the trolls tell us otherwise. <laughs> Well, we won't talk about those, but yes, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, absolutely agree with you. I think there are lots of ways. And I think, you know, it's, it's interesting what there is such a stigma with of sobriety and even people that have stopped drinking could also be quite. I was speaking to someone, I guess, the other the other week and she was saying, you know, I was saying, well, I wasn't like those people who drank wine out of, you know, drinks out of a paper bag or sat on a park bench I was sophisticated I was a sophisticated white you know and then there was still that sort of stigma and so judgment judgment yeah. exactly and and it's really easy to, to sort of fall into that but I think getting rid of alcohol and making it insignificant in your life is the most important thing and so however you do that and whatever that that means to you is best for you and you'll find the right way so I think yes. that's really important. And I do think you're right. I mean, it's, it's what inspired me to write my book as well. The fact that a lot of people had hit rock bottom and I really wanted to give a bit of a positive alcohol-free um, message as opposed to the, you have to wait until you hit rock bottom. My, right. my message is it's a choice. You can make the decision regardless of where you are on that spectrum if you think that's the right thing for you because life will be better without it. Yes, Yes, we are very in sync there, I think. Yeah. So tell us about your book and when's it coming out and what can people expect? That's exciting. Oh, so is well, as I don't know how your kind of publishing process went, it is an adventure <laughs> to pick one word for it, learning how the publishing world works and, yeah. and what that all looks like. Um, it, it's a process for sure. 
Um, so right now I'm still working to get it published. I don't have a date yet, but I am going to have kind of a decision on which way I'm going to go for sure by the end of this year, because there's so much momentum in this space right now. Um, I want, I want to put it out there because I want people to have other options. I want people to have, um, different stories to hear. So in terms of what you can expect, you know, like I said, it's sort of a, it's sort of a combination of memoir slash self-help, right? I use my stories, um, my personal stories to explain what I went through, how I reached the realization I did and what that first year looked like, kind of how I went through the process of making alcohol insignificant in my life. Um, and, uh, it is, scary and vulnerable and you know nerve-wracking to put all of these things out into the world um but I know the stories I read helped me feel like I could do it too and so I hope that my story can do that for other people so I'm hopeful that in um it will be out in the first half of next year one way or another fantastic that's so exciting and do you have a working title or not yet yeah so the title is actually um confessions of a picture perfect mom and it is you know based on the whole premise that that no one thought I had a problem I looked like I had my act together everyone thought I was somehow managing to do it all um but yet I was sort of imploding on the inside and no one had any idea Mm. oh I love it can't wait to read it thank you fantastic so uh, let's move on. I think um, one of the things that attracted me to you is you're running. And as people know, I love running. And I've been, I've only started running, I only started running a few months after stopping drinking. So I've only been running for about two and a half years, but started off with doing the 10K program, then led that led to sort of two half marathons and then did a marathon, did the London Marathon in April. So oh, this year. So jealous. So. <laughs> So it was, it's been a, I, you know, absolutely love running. And I know that's something that you've been doing for years. And obviously as a health and fitness coach, tell me about your perspectives from running and drinking. Cause I still can't get over the fact that you said you used to drink and then do a 10 mile run. I mean, I did a 10 mile run on the weekend, but I can't imagine doing it hangover. So I'd yeah. love to hear how it's changed over the years for you. Um, well, I think the key to that is, when I was doing that, I was still under 40. <laughs> and I think, I think while it was still my, I was, it was not healthy and my body was probably screaming, you know, you can get away with a lot more when your body's still younger. Like if I tried that now, <laughs> like so many things would just break down. Like it would, it wouldn't work. Um, and that was starting to happen at the end, but yeah, I, so I didn't drink, rarely drank every day. You know, sometimes there were periods where I was having a glass of wine with dinner or every night or something. Um, but even one glass of wine with dinner has an impact on you the next day. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was noticing that as I got older, um, and then Friday night, it would be like, oh, we're watching a movie and we open a bottle of wine and I have a half a bottle or a full bottle. And then Saturday morning was my long run day, you know? So I would get up and I would have like dry mouth and a headache and I'd be sort of dehydrated. Um, And, you know, runners 
we just push through. Like we're trained, we've trained our bodies to endure a lot, especially mm. as distance runners. Mm. So there's this attitude of like, I can just kind of push through anything. Um, and so I did, and not to say that every run I was doing was hungover and miserable, but there were definitely plenty that were. And I think about what my body was probably, what was probably happening on the inside of my body, you know, when I was doing a 10 mile run with, you know, just under the premise of trying to sweat it out. Mm. Um, I, I was giving my body so much to recover from mm. and I wasn't fueling properly. I don't know how it worked for as long as it did. Um, but that was something I definitely started to notice the last year I was drinking and definitely in that last summer. Um, I just, it was like my body was shutting down, like running wasn't enjoyable. I was getting injured. I always felt drained and exhausted. And now looking back, I can, you know, clearly see what was happening. Um, I was just, I, I was drinking way too much for my body to be able to handle the mileage I was doing on top of recovering from the alcohol. It was just a bad, um, it was a bad combination. So when I quit, that was another area where I saw improvement almost right away. It was like the joy came back to running because I was well-rested. I felt good. I was eating well. Um, it just, it, it was, you know, it really, it really made a big difference. Hmm. I love that. You said that the joy came back. And again, I think that's a really important comment because, you know, we, a lot of people use alcohol to numb out those negative emotions, like, you know, grief, pain, stress, anxiety, you know, then they're numbing it out to not feel but what a lot of people don't realize is they're also numbing out those positive emotions. So that sense of joy, that sense of happiness, that sense of noticing beauty around you, that also dulls a bit. And so I can imagine you were doing the runs and to your point, because you're so used to just enduring and going and keeping going. Just push through. You yeah. Just push through. And but you probably didn't have that sense of enjoyment. It was more of a this is what I do as a health and fitness coach, maybe, as opposed to maybe now, which is actually like going out and getting yeah. out and running. And you feel good and your body is recovering better and your performance is improving because you're not like constantly setting yourself back with the, I mean, it's just, it, yeah, it is, it is, it's joyful. It's fun. It's also, I'm, I imagine you feel the same way. It's a huge mental health boost fantastic it yeah. keeps me you know clear-headed and sane and all of that and yeah. and especially in early sobriety it was a great tool for helping me kind of work through everything that was going on in my head you know as I tried to figure out who I was without alcohol it was like I could I always joke that I could like solve world hunger on a run you know, I do my best thinking, I come up with all these ideas, and then I usually forget them as soon as I get home. But, um, but it helped me work through it all. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what people, again, I don't know if people really realize, it's not about the physical health. It's also <laughs> probably more so about the mental well being and mental health 
when it comes to running it's such it's it's like yoga for me yoga and running combined are just great for both your mental and physical health and and again I also think people's mindset and the mindset changes when it comes to exercise. I'd, I'd always exercise. I'd always done some sort of hit training or strength training. I just didn't, I wasn't a runner and I wasn't somebody who did yoga. That wasn't me before. So I did everything else. Um, so I always, you know, was fit. I, I remember stretching and doing various things and feeling hungover and feeling awful the next Ugh. day, but pushing through because that's what you do. Like then right. I, I exercise six days a week without fail. So regardless of what's happened, that's what I would do. But I think when I was younger and before I stopped drinking, I was thinking more about the weight and it was all about weight loss and it was about just maintaining a certain weight and actually now it's more for me about the mental well-being and just helping you as you say have that clarity um and just be able to process things and 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 enjoy that time to think yeah I mean I I joke that almost every post you see on my Instagram I thought of all running I mean or if I've like hit a creative block and I don't I'm like oh I've got nothing this week I'm like well I better go on a run and I'm not listening to music and then that's what I that's when I think of stuff um or sometimes I just need to clear my head and not think about anything Mm. um but yeah it has such a powerful powerful impact Mm. and so let's say someone's just started on the journey and they they may not have found that sort of hobby or passion because I think it's really important as you go along to to you realize how much time you have and so again how do you sort of fill that time if they were considering running how would you what would you suggest they do to get started um I well I would encourage people to start with walking right if you've been doing nothing right if you're like you know you've been sitting on the couch drinking and you want to start moving your body walking is such a powerful underrated tool i mean we all make the jokes about going for our stupid mental health walks and you know but it really makes a big difference and it's a great tool if you're like in those times when you're having those cravings like at five o'clock for me when it was like that was wine o'clock that was when that little bell started ringing in my head go for a walk and just that change of momentum and focus and direction can have, you know, make such a difference. Um, I went for a lot of walks, even as a runner. Um, and, but if you're just getting started with exercise, I think that's a great place to start gradually build up how much time, how much distance you're doing, how fast you're walking. Um, and then if you want to start working and jogging, you know, do that slowly, but again, like do like walk jogging intervals and slowly build up. And then there's a lot of like a lot of really good couch to 5k programs out there that you can follow. Um, and having sort of a program to follow like that can be really helpful. I think in early sobriety, giving you something to focus on kind of like a checklist sort of item. Um, but I think goals like that can be really powerful early on if they don't overwhelm you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great point. I think um, obviously the focus is really making not drinking the non-negotiable and everything else comes because people obviously go to sugar and go to various other things and then worry about that cross addiction. But really, if you can get the non-drinking under your belt, then you can 
go on and do whatever whatever right you, you, you don't need to start training for a marathon the same time you're trying to stop yeah. drinking right just <laughs> i mean just go for it. just go for a walk up the street just move your body a little bit just start there yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely and so um are you still doing a lot of health and fitness coaching as well then or I'm not i have totally shifted away from it um, I just felt myself being pulled in a different direction. So yeah. everything I'm doing now is kind of, you know, in the sobriety space. Um, I was working with a sobriety app for a long time. Unfortunately, they just shut down. Um, um, but now I'm working a little bit with reframe, which is exciting. Um, they're fabulous. Um, I have a new website that's going to be launching in the next week or two um, to kind of support the book and all that's going along with that. Um, so I just kind of, I loved everything that I did in the health and fitness world, but it just, um, I just felt myself getting pulled this way. Um, so I'm going to see where it takes me. That's fantastic. Well, looking forward to seeing, yeah, seeing how that goes and where it develops. Very excited for Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. So as we come towards the end, what does thriving alcohol-free mean to you, Hadley? Oh, I think that's such a good question because I think it's so hard for people to picture that early on when you're first starting, like the imagine the the thought of thriving alcohol-free probably sounded so far off and out of reach. Mm. What I think it means to me now is feeling comfortable in your own skin, looking in the mirror and liking the person you see, feeling like you're, you're living in alignment with your values and your moral compass um, and getting to that point where you realize that alcohol wasn't adding anything. It was only holding you back. And now is when you can really thrive and move forward. Um, and it takes a while to get there, but, but you can for sure. And it's, it's absolutely worth it. Brilliant. I love that answer and liking yourself. It's, it comes up so often that, you know, just really knowing who you are and being that authentic person and and liking what you see in the mirror it's yeah it's amazing isn't it how many people just don't yeah. and so really really great answer thank you and so if people want to get in touch with you you mentioned a website how how's the best way to get in touch with you um right now it's instagram that's where i spend most of my time so it's just Hadley underscore Sorensen on Instagram. Um, and I'll be sharing website information there soon, as soon as it is live and available. And I'm going to have some really cool tools out there on the website as well um, that are designed to kind of help people early in the process. So I'll be excited to share those too. Great. I'll add those to the show notes. Thank you so much. So is there anything before we finish, any last nugget bit of wisdom you want to share with with the audience oh let me think I you know the the question I've been getting so much from people recently um is just kind of how do I start I want to make a change what do I do you know people are just kind of looking for some guidance um and I think is is sort of not helpful as it can sound the first step is just being ready and, and knowing that it's time, right. And you have to be doing it for you. You can't be doing it for your spouse or for your kids or for, you know, any, anyone else, you have to be doing it for you and you have 
to be ready, right? That's the difference between all the other times I tried to quit. I wasn't ready yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and this time I was, and I could feel the difference. So you'll know. Yeah, it's really great advice. And you're right. You can't change because of anybody else. You you need to do it for you. So thank you so much. That's been such a wonderful conversation. And it's thank been you fun. for being on the podcast. Thank really you for having me. You. Well, thank you, Hadley, for being a guest on the podcast. It was lovely to speak to you. I really enjoyed that conversation and love the fact that we, we're quite similar, actually, that you love running and are also really looking to get the message out that you can choose to be alcohol free and you don't need to wait until you hit rock bottom and that alcohol, being alcohol free is a gift and it does bring such joy back into your life it gives you that presence and patience and helps you sleep better and also reduces the the anxiety and the depression so i do hope you found the episode helpful feel free to follow hadley on her instagram as she mentioned i will put the details in the show notes but it's at hadley underscore sorensen and so I hope you have a good week. I hope you found something that was useful and relatable in that episode. And I will see you on the next one. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Thrive Alcohol Free podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe so you get alerted every time I drop a new episode. I'd love it if you could rate, review and share this episode. Feel free to tag me on Instagram at Thrive Alcohol Free and follow me for daily tips. If you'd like to work with me, I offer one-to-one coaching sessions and have my signature Thrive Alcohol Free Society group coaching program. If you're not yet ready for coaching, I also have a self-paced online course, which is a companion to my book, A Cocktail of Clarity. All the links are in the show notes. I will see you in the next episode. Have a wonderful week. Take care.